Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. They say that the third time's a charm, I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the vine, the source of our fruit's growth. God is the vine dresser, and we as people are the branches. Why are you saying that over and over again? Well, I'm saying it over and over again because sometimes we get it confused. Some of us think that we're the vine and that we're the source of those things that go. Some of us might even think that we're the vine dresser and we have something to say about how the things are growing and we're the vine or the vine dresser and everybody else is supposed to be the branches. King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is none like you. Lord God, let every word that I speak and thought that I think be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross. Allow me to continue to decrease so that you increase, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I am the true vine. One thing that I've uh, sort of learned is I don't really have a palate for wine or, or, or much alcohol, period. Kind of tastes funny to me. And I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago, and I was talking about uh the fact that I can't really tolerate the taste of it and, and, and come to find out like the ones that I really liked um, aren't really considered wine or I mean they're wine but they're like dessert wines it's not something you pair with a meat or a fish that's what you're supposed to have after dessert I, I, I have a bit of a sweet tooth uh, I might put a little bit too much sugar in certain foods I've also been told so, uh, that what I drink is not coffee uh, with the amount of cream and sugar that I put into it. Uh, everybody says what you're drinking is not coffee. So I don't really have a, a palate for those sorts of things. Uh, it's not my alley. I, I, I've been known to put sugar on stuff that people would be really, really ready to argue with me about. I like sugar on grits. I, I, I like sugar on spaghetti. Oh, it got a little quiet in here, yeah. You know, the funny thing about it is, is you might like, you might be mad at sugar on spaghetti, but it's probably sugar in that meat sauce that you put on the spaghetti. I'm going to just leave that there for you. There's a whole lot of sugar in that. But anyway, I put sugar on stuff that po most people ain't supposed to put sugar on or, 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 or think you're supposed to put sugar on. And, and, and so I don't really have a palate for those kinds of things. Uh, random note uh, when thinking, talking about wine uh, the reason we have grape juice we have to thank a good Methodist yeah. for that uh, you know we, we talk about traditions and I don't want to go too deep into talking about traditions but when we take like communion for example 
uh, communion was actually the third cup of a Passover meal. So if we wanted to be super uh, uh, technical about it, we should have multiple cups down here and have lamb and some shank bone and all of that. When we read it in the Bible, Jesus was having a Passover meal. But then there are some people that get a little uptight about when we're supposed to take communion in the service. Uh, some people get uptight about how often we're supposed to take communion uh, during uh, uh, particular worships. Uh, I grew up in a denomination where they took communion every time we met. It'd be a youth meeting, and, and, and we'd be upstairs, and they'd come around and with the communion stewards and pastors, so there are things about that, but then there are those who feel like we ought to have wine for communion if we're going to be be uh, super technical about it. But we have a good Methodist by the name of Dr. Welch to thank for that. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Welch was a Methodist, and he understood that there were some people that were abstaining from alcohol, and so he figured out a way to, to process the grape juice and not have it fermented uh, and have the alcoholic content right. in it. And so uh, there's always a joke going around that they say that all good Methodists use Welch's grape juice for communion. Uh, but there's these things, these, these vines, and, and, and there's, when you think of a, a fine wine, which I don't have a palate for, again, uh, some people have different tastes for that. Uh, the French have a long tradition of vintage wine making and have uh, provided the names for some of the, the, the most well-known varieties of vino, Champagne and Bordeaux and Chardonnay and Burgundy, just to name a few. And there are all regions that gave monikers to these certain types of French wine in order to be authentic. It had to have really come from that region. Uh, and, and it's interesting that, that you know, the, the stuff that uh, uh, the Houston Astros were spraying on each other after winning the World Series, the bottle says champagne, uh, but it's actually just sparkling wine. Uh, but there's a lot of things in, in, in the culture, and not only in our culture presently, but the culture uh, during the Bible times that has a lot to do with this particular fruit that grows on a vine. Uh, when there are uh, Passover Seder celebrations, there's a phrase that is repeated in Hebrew, uh, and I won't try to mess it up now, but I'll say in English it means, Blessed, O you, our Lord, King of the universe, the creator of the fruit of the vine. And, and there's a lot to be known, so when Jesus was talking to his disciples in the gospel according to John, when he starts talking about vines, and vine dressers and branches, they immediately knew what he was talking about. Uh, Jesus is the vine, uh, the source of a fruit's growth. And, and, and God is the vine dresser, the gardener, the winemaker, the one who tends to the vineyard and works with the fruit, and we are the branches. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is the vine, which is the source of the fruit's growth. And God is the vine dresser, the gardener, the vine maker, the wine maker, the, the person that tends to and works on the fruit. And we, as the people of God, are the branches. 
They say that the third time's a charm. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the vine, the source of our fruit's growth. God is the vine dresser, and we as people are the branches. Why are you saying that over and over again? Well, I'm saying it over and over again because sometimes we get it confused. Some of us think that we're the vine and that we're the source of those things that go. Some of us might even think that we're the vine dresser and we have something to say about how the things are growing and we're the vine or the vine dresser and everybody else is supposed to be the branches. So we're supposed to have a word for them, and we're supposed to tell them how things are supposed to go, and we're supposed to tell them where everything is going right and wrong in their particular lives because we're the source. And sometimes we don't think we're the source. Sometimes we think that our tradition is the source. Ooh, hear a pin drop. I was getting into a debate uh, this morning, matter of fact, with a couple of uh, uh, my esteemed colleagues of the cloth. And uh, there was a particular church, I won't name it, but they were playing some secular music in the church on a Sunday. And, and they were dancing to it. And somebody, of course, because it's 2018, uh, will pull out their phone and start recording. They recorded all of these people in the church dancing to Frankie Beverly's and May's. You make me happy. Mm, mm, mm. And everybody was upset about it and why are these saints doing this and all of this thing. And, and so a couple people got to it and I, I, I brought up a thing. They were wondering when the real saints were going to stand up and all of these. And they were talking about tradition and, and all of these things that were going on. And, and somebody said, well, first of all, that video is two years old. Second of all, it's taken out of context. It was a minute and a half clip of these people dancing around. And what this particular church did is to celebrate the church's anniversary, they would play a popular song from each generation of all the people that were still living in the church and were active in the church. And so they play a little minute of the song and let people celebrate. But you wouldn't have known that from the one-minute clip. Millions and millions of shares going around and thousands of people commenting on it and it's taken out of context. Well, I was debating with them and I said, let me take it one step further. Even if it wasn't uh, uh, no context behind it, even if you didn't know it was an anniversary celebration, that would still be okay. Oh, yeah, why would that still be okay, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Some of the hymns we sing, some of those melodies and tunes that you hear were not first sung in the church, but sung in bars and saloons. Is Is the microphone still working? They took secular music and put gospel lyrics on top of it so that they could draw the people out of the bars and into the church. Oh, what a strange idea that is. Going out into the world to get the people and bringing them back in and giving them something familiar. But we've gotten so far removed from it that we think that the whole thing was just came down from the heavens on above and it never had any place and was never sung in a saloon or a bar first. Furthermore, 
some of those gospel chord changes and riffs and runs that you like to hear the musicians play started on blues songs. Is the microphone, hello? Especially if the song's in E flat, let me stop, let me stop. No, these things you think started one way, started somewhere else, and we've held on to it, and we think that we are the source of it, and we don't understand where it truly came from. And so we look at these things and don't understand that they're just plain language being brought down to the people. And so when Jesus was talking to these people about vines and vine branches and vine dressers, he was speaking to them on their level. He was using something to them that was familiar. And that imagery was all throughout the Bible. The Bible, Isaiah 5, 1 and 7, talks about the song of the vineyard. And vineyards are mentioned all over Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Hosea. And we talk about the creator of the fruit of the vine during a Seder meal. So he was telling them to understand that this thing that grows and produces fruit for all of us to use, the stuff we can eat and the stuff that we can drink, Jesus is telling us that he's the true vine because he comes from the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. You're looking for the source of something to supply you. You're looking for the source to nourish you. You're looking for the source to provide from you. Jesus is letting you know, provide for you. Jesus is letting you know that he is that source. Ah, and he's bearing fruit. He's the true vine. And, and he says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Ah, your fruit should speak for you. If I walk up to a tree and I see either some round red things that crunch when I bite them or, or a round yellow thing and it crunches when I bite it, I would not call that a green bean tree. You know the tree by its fruit. If there was some sort of uh, vine coming out the ground and there was this round green thing that when you slice it open, it's red on the inside. I would not call that split peas. You know what something is happening, knows what something is by its fruit. So if I see somebody that is not loving God with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul and not loving their neighbor like themselves, I'd call that a Christian. I'm sorry. The fruit that you bear will tell you what kind of tree you are. Uh, I've heard many a motivational speaker say time and time again that you are always the average of your five closest friends. 
the five people you spend the most time with, you become the average of them. And so if you want to do something with yourself, you need to be able to hang around some people that can get you to where you're trying to go. I can talk about how I want to start a business all day long. But if I'm not hanging around some entrepreneurs and I'm not trying to do anything to produce that fruit, then am I really trying to be an entrepreneur? Your fruit should show what your fruit should produce the work of what you say. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Uh, but he says that every branch that is not does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's hard right there. That's hard. Going to cut me off? Going to take me away? But everything that bears fruit and prunes, he prunes so that he may bear more fruit. My mama's house has an orange tree in the backyard. Good, delicious oranges. Everybody that comes to visit my mama's house always go in the backyard and grab them a bag full. They want some oranges, and being that close to oranges and not trying to take them is a shame. One day, the gardener says that he's going to cut this tree, and it looked like he hacked the whole thing off. It was I, it was mortalized. I didn't understand. I, it was all you could see through the orange tree. What are you doing? But that very next year when it came time for the oranges to grow, it was more oranges on that tree than I had ever seen on that tree since we lived. The tree was, the branches was hanging down. You didn't need to climb the tree anymore to grab the oranges. It was just right there for the taking. The kids could grab oranges because he pruned it. See, what he did was he cut off the branches that were in the way. And once he cut off the branches that were in the way, the branches that were able to produce the good fruit had access to the sun and had enough room to stretch out and grow. And so they added to it by pruning off those things that weren't able to grow. And not only were they not able to grow, they were preventing the ones that was trying to grow from growing. So there may be some things in our lives. That way we may need to prune off. Why? Because they are blocking our access to the light. Amen. Why? Because they are keeping us from breathing. Why? Because they are keeping us from stretching out. Sometimes we need to cut some things off that prevent us from getting access to the source. And when we cut off and throw away those things that block our access to the source, we'll be that much better for it. Ah, you look closely at these things and you got to prune them and, and cut them away. And then sometimes you got to cut them away because they block, they, they end up getting something dangerous happening. Uh, we've had some, some contractors from the city of Dickinson, both at the parsonage uh, a couple weeks ago and, and at the, at, uh, over here this week. And they went to all of these trees and started cutting down the branches that were close to the power lines. And I looked out at the tree in the lot and it looked like it's been, again, chopped almost in half. 
But then I noticed something when I took a closer look at it. There was a dangling power line that was running where those tree branches used to be. And so they had to prune this tree to keep it from having access and coming into contact with something that was dangerous. So that's another reason sometimes we have to prune our own vine branches. Because we might be close to touching something that will not only hurt us, but hurt other people around us. Imagine if a kid had climbed on that tree during the Easter egg hunt, unknowingly, with this dangling power line. Sometimes we got to cut these things off so that we can see what's dangerous for us. And I know sometimes it's hard to cut it off. It's good. It looks so good. It feels so good. But in the long run, there will be more fruit produced. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You know what's funny? When you look closely at a grapevine, something else one of the first things you notice about the branches is that it's very difficult to tell them apart individually. They all kind of twist. The branches twist and curl around one another so you can't tell where one starts and the other stops. And Jesus using us as vine branches, again, I'm going to say it, I'm going to probably say it almost every time I get a chance, especially when the text comes, you can't be a Christian outside of community. You can't be a Christian outside of community. It talks about loving God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, but also love your neighbor as yourself. It talks about brethren dwell together in a unity. That's Psalms 133. Uh, it talks about forsaking not the assembly of others in the Hebrews. It talks about in James that pure and undefiled religion is this before God to take care of the widows and orphans. And in Acts it talks about how everybody got their goods together and sold them so that everyone could take care of one another. This Christianity thing is not about just your individual relationship with God, but it's also your relationship with others. The only Bible some people will ever read. The only sermon some people will ever hear. People are literally making their decision whether or not to join the body of Christ based on how you treat them. And sometimes not even based on how you treat them because some people watch you and you don't even know they're watching you. Are you still a good Christian when nobody else is looking? And so these branches are intertwined together, and it's hard to tell them apart individually, but each branch gives up their individual desire for achievement to become encircling branches so that they can benefit the rest of the community. Not a collection of individuals, but a cooperative corporate society. And then you have to abide in Jesus as he abides in you. Everywhere you go, you are taking Jesus with you. So even when you don't think nobody else is there, Jesus is still there. And those things that do not produce fruit, that's hard, I tell you. Uh, they're, They're removed, and not only are they removed, they're thrown into the fire and burned. 
There's punishment. There's a hint of punishment there with being thrown into the fire. But it's all over the Gospels with these last judgments. And those things that happen, you have an opportunity to get back in. Or get, you have an opportunity now, rather, to get back right. But fruitless branches have to be thrown away. Fruitless branches. I met with a business uh, mentor a couple years ago, and he had a, a couple of successful businesses, and he said this all the time, and I thought it was hard because I, I, I'm a compassionate guy sometimes, and I want to try to save everything, and I realized that you can't save everything, but he had several businesses he was going with, and he said he starts up these businesses, and these businesses have to be able to feed themselves. And if the business cannot feed itself, he lets it starve. And so if it's something that's not making enough money to take care of itself, he won't take money from one business and, and pour it into another one. And so those things that are not producing fruit get cut off and thrown away. And sometimes that's negative. But Jesus includes both the negative and the positive sides of judgment in the vine grower by removing and pruning and cleansing the branches. Because that's just part of life on the farm. Stuff that is not producing fruit is going to have to go. And it also represents the disciples that do not obey the commandments that Jesus gives. You got to keep the commandments. And at the same time, these warnings primarily exhort obedience and abiding in Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Again, going back to producing fruit. What kind of fruit are you producing if you love if I love my wife, I can't talk to her like she's beneath me. Amen. If I say I love you and I don't treat her like that, do I really love her? If you say you love Jesus, but you don't do anything Jesus tells you to do, Ain't, ain't, ain't no shouting and yelling today. I'm trying to preserve my voice. But if you say that you love Jesus and you don't do a single thing Jesus told you to do, do you really love him? Do you really love him? But abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You pull a branch away from the tree, that branch is not going to survive on its own. Even when you pull fruit off of a branch, if you pull fruit right off of a branch and eat it right then, when it was just right connected to it, it even tastes different. 
Vegetables taste a lot sweeter when you eat them right when they're plucked. When you are connected to the source, there are things that are going in you and coming out of you that make you that much better. When you are connected to the source, it is for your good. And so how do we stay connected to the vine? Uh, the best way is to practice some of these spiritual disciplines. Amen. Going to church on a regular basis. Praying. Fasting. Tithing. Hello. Hello. Spiritual disciplines. These things are to benefit you. There's like exercise for your physical body. These disciplines of fasting and praying and studying the word and meeting and assembling with other Christians and living in Christian community. These things make you that much better and have you producing that much more fruit. Trimming back the excess. Trimming back the things that block your access to the source. Trimming back those things that keep you from breathing. Trimming back those things that prevent you from stretching out. Those things allow you to produce great fruit and stay connected to the vine. And then there's the reciprocal love. Abide in me as I abide in you between Jesus and the disciples and between the disciples and themselves. So it ain't just up and down. Yeah. It's a cross. Reciprocal love and these things are said and so that he lets them know that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you shall desire and it shall be done for you when you have that constant relationship and what you ask for is in God's will, you can have it. That's not prosperity preaching. That's not sow a seed into the pastor's hand and God's going to bless you good. It's no. It says right here, if you abide in me, abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask for what you desire and it shall be done. That ain't me. That ain't no pop culture theology. That's the word. If you spend some time in the word and you spend some time developing this relationship with Jesus and what you ask for is in God's will, you'll have it. Amen. God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he shall seek cause to repent. The Bible says in Isaiah that my words shall not return to me void. So if my words abide in you, ah, we spend this time in the word. Spend this time in the word, practicing these disciplines, staying connected to the source. And not only being connected to the source, but using the fact that we are connected to the source to be connected to other people. And if we do that, we shall bear much fruit. And because these people are abiding in Jesus, they are able to ask for what they wish, and he promises to grant it. And because they are abiding in Jesus, it says in Romans that nothing will separate us from the love of God. 
Because they abide in him, they get the things that they want. Because they abide in him, they can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives them strength. Because they abide in him, they understand that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me. Because they abide in him, they understood that he had the victory when he took that old rugged cross all the way to Calvary. Because they abided in him, even though they deserted him, they understand that that when he died and got up with all power in his hands, that they had access to some of that victory. Amen. Abide in me as I abide in you. It's a two-way relationship. And not only is it a two-way relationship with Jesus, it's a two-way relationship with your fellow man. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.